0: Hello and welcome to today's conversation at Arbury Road, where we are discussing refugees in Europe with a focus on theatre as a means of integration and understanding. Now I'm delighted to be joined by three very special guests who have all worked together as members of the PsychoDelight Theatre Company. This is a company formed of refugees and Europeans who together have created work that has toured 13 countries, sharing the stories and experiences of refugees using comedy and satire. They also run workshops where they help with the integration of refugees within local populations. So let me introduce them. First of all, we have Sophie Bess, who is the Artistic Director.
1: Nice to meet you.
0: We have Barah Halabiye, who is a Syrian interpreter, actor and refugee rights campaigner uh, who was settled in the UK and was a cast member in the production Borderline, which is a satire of The Calais Jungle, and Welcome to the UK, a play about the asylum process in Britain. And we have Tamara Astor, an actress and musician, who also leads workshops, bringing together women of different backgrounds, including women seeking asylum and women in Europe. So welcome to you all. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Lovely to see you all. Um, So first of all, to start off, um, a question for you, Sophie, about the role of theatre as a means to communicate the refugee situation. most people in Europe get their understanding of the refugee crisis from the news. In the worst-case scenario, there's the right-wing propaganda um, with its sort of anti-immigrant rhetoric. But even the most sympathetic news coverage tends to only generate pity for refugees. What can theatre do that news coverage can't?
1: Um. Well, for me, my aim with the, the creation of, of borderline, I mean this ensemble, um, was to yeah, challenge the negative image, uh, whether it's the fear or the pity, uh, and to and to yeah, change the the, the approach. Um, because we used satire, so comedy. Mm-hmm. Um first I I'd say on, on a on a general note, the use of humor is something that I strongly believe in when you uh, when you work with people who went through very difficult journey um, it's it's a different way to express your your emotions Uh, the use of satire can uh, uh generate very violent images but in a way that is digestible for the audience if Mm. that makes sense uh for example we have a scene in in borderline where you have a frozen refugee that the policeman carry like that like an ice cube you know because he traveled on a refrigerated lorry so it's really fun but then when you think about it after you know obviously it's also very violent um and and i think it's. um, um, yes, theatre has a responsibility to raise awareness, to challenge people's thoughts uh, on what's happening in our society. And if you make it in a digestible way, in a in a different way, I think that was the challenge we wanted uh, to say. You know what? You're going to find them fun and handsome and talentful, and and you you want to have a drink with them after that. And you know, we we uh, always did that after our shows, having live yeah. music and yeah. dancing with the audience and. So, yeah, so that, you know, they're just people really like uh, uh, and if anything, very resourceful, resilient people who traveled all all over the Mm. world to come and seek refuge here. So it's not. um, Yeah, I think. And there's something very human uh, in theater because you're here on stage in front of the people and you can meet after you can chat. That's something you don't have uh, in a newspaper or on TV. Mm.
0: Yeah, you can definitely I mean, see theatre as a kind of two-way exchange, you know, between the performers and between the audience. And as you say about having a chat, you take this, you know, one step further because you hosted question and answer sessions exactly. with your audiences. Yeah. And was this, you know, you took the play to 13 different countries. Did you have these question and answer sessions as part of the tour everywhere you visited? Um
1: Oh, I'm not I think so, I think that's our format we even when we can we do workshop as well, so mm-hmm. that people can meet before or after the show, so our together workshop we usually tour them with the shows. Um, and so yes, we, we try to generate as many encounters as possible. With, yeah. with the
0: do you remember any of the kind of questions that people were asking or the conversations? I realize I've only just watched Borderline, I watched the filmed version, but you're actually performing, you know, quite some time ago. So this might be a bit of an ask, but do you remember any of the conversations that arose, particularly in Europe, as you were touring with any audience members? Um... Well, one of the
1: questions that kept coming back was, how is it for you now? You're safe, right? You're in the UK. That's great, isn't it? (laughs) Actually not at all. So that's why we decided to create the show about the situation in the UK, because we thought, okay, so people don't know what happens.
0: They have the idea that
1: once you're here, that's perfect. You know, you've got Mm -hmm. your flat, your job and that's it. When it's actually sometimes even harder once you arrive here than, than
0: before. So, so the, the conversation funny. led to the creation of more work. Yeah.
1: Yes. I remember Bara was was always answering on this one, you know, the 28 days and, and all of that. Mm. So, you know, a strong advocate for that. Yeah. yeah.
0: You mentioned humour and and that being an approach to, to exploring and reliving these experiences that you then created and turned into theatre. Um, Bara, is that something? I mean, because when you so I'm thinking about having watched this, um, watch, having watched Borderline recently, and um, some of the scenes that made unexpectedly made me laugh out loud, I wasn't expecting to watching this play, I thought it might be a bit funny but I was actually laughing out loud, were um, scenes where you highlight the level of misunderstanding of what refugees need. Um, there's one scene where a girl arrives as a volunteer with her little guitar and she announces that. I feel the pain of the Syrian people. I know what they need. They need him to hear me sing. You know, so she sits next to you and starts singing Bob Marley, and I found it really, really funny. But is this a thing that, in order, you know, as a means of surviving these awful experiences, that you look for, or you know, you laugh at the absurdity of some of it? Is that something exactly, that
2: happens exactly? Even even when we were at the camp, when we were living these days in the jungle, we used to laugh of such a uh, situation which happened with the volunteers or people who are turning up to, to volunteer for the weekend and go back and like we used to laugh because at the end of the day you need to go through the day and we're going to live it live it so the satirical of, uh, of life and of the situation and the absurdity of it, uh, it was hilarious.
0: And you and highlight that, as well.
2: Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and that's why when, when, when Sophie wanted to do the play about, uh, about the jungle and uh, our journey and the life there, it wasn't that difficult because all these moments, tiny moments of the daily life in the jungle, it was engraved in our brain, in these funny moments.
0: Hmm. Because you have the fashion show as well. So, can you yeah. tell or tell the followers as well about this? Was this a real experience? in the Calais jungle, Yeah. The, what
2: happened, there was a, with, what was that? So there was a, a dome in the jungle where some workshop used to take place and they organized a fashion show. The idea came from that the warehouse, many people donate the crazy funny stuff which no one gonna need, like wedding dresses, high heels. Yeah,
0: Bikini. M- Bikini. Ceders, <laughs> bikinis.
2: like bikinis. And so I remember the organizer of Good Chance Theatre who was running the Dome, they, they organized the fashion show using all these items and the aim was not only to create a funny show for the, the, the residents of the jungle to, to laugh, but also to highlight that sending unnecessary items wasting the time of volunteers and the oh, aid workers who have to sort these items and send them back yeah so that's also to highlight and raise awareness about please send oh. what we need not like it's
0: absolutely absurd the idea that that someone would send a wedding dress to a, a refugee camp but i mean you created some theater out of it as well so that's something that happened there. Um, having watched Borderline, something that, um, I suppose, sort of occurred to me watching it is we sit there as an audience seeing you all on stage as actors and you're all, and you mentioned this, Sophie, United by the fact that they are warm, creative, this includes (laughs) Tamara and Marah here on the stage, you know, funny individuals and it hits you that it's just a case of chance or, you know, your circumstance in life that some of those people standing on the stage are refugees and others are not. Um, so, Barah, I wondered if I could ask you, was there um, a specific moment you remember back in Syria when you realised that you would have to leave your home, you would have to leave your country, that you had, your life had changed, you had become a refugee?
2: yeah to be honest like uh, that have so for me as as a person i i traveled a lot so i was born in dubai and lived there for 18 years moved back to syria in 2003 with my family and i had to leave in 2014 because of my political opinion and i had to leave because i was in real danger so I still remember it was the 26th of October 2014 when I, I decided yeah. to, to leave home. It was really it was really difficult night. And to be honest, I never thought it would be for that long. Mm. When I left to Turkey, I thought it would be a couple of months or a year and things will be sorted and come back. And now it's over six years and no one knows how it will end or when we're going back. It's really, it's really, uh, it's really hard. And believe me, there is no refugee who doesn't think every day about the day they left. Right. And they, we think every day if the day to go back will come or not, to be honest. Yeah. So it's, 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 it lives with us.
0: Of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the refugee performers in, in your productions have inevitably suffered and experienced really you know traumatic events how do you i mean so in fact it's just to give some examples for the people following so in borderline we see a young man who's being beaten by and assaulted by some police i believe they're french police but you can correct me if that's in that that's that's why it's a bit blurry Oh, it's blurry, yeah. okay, no allegations. No, 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 no. It's it's but, both yeah. like
1: he was remembering that the police in Sudan, I think that's what you refer oh, okay. to, but when he wakes up, he's in the Calais jungle and right. he was beaten up by the police because actually that's what Mohammed says, like it's it's an experience that happened in both countries. Right. Um,
0: yeah. And yeah, Yeah. so we, we see that, we see several cast members being packed into a vehicle by a people smuggler um, and in Welcome to the UK, where you have women asylum seekers joining the company, some of those um, members of the company have experienced human trafficking. How, as a company, do you create scenes out of what must personally be you know, tr- really traumatic experiences for individuals? What's your process of bringing that experience to the stage?
1: Um, it, I'd say it depends on the people. Um, first some people are are, are more comfortable talking about things or 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 have an idea already of what they want to do uh barra was very clear for example that he wanted to talk about the 28 days and welcome to the uk or um but some other people uh, might need a bit more help or struggle more with english so for example we've had what i called silent scenes or visual scenes where um in, in, in welcome to the UK for example, Abdurrahman uh, remembers a, a nightmare that he does and he wanted to raise awareness about that that you know there's PTSD when you arrive in this country, especially when you're stuck for months and months with not being allowed to work or to socialize in any way because you don't have any money to do that, you can't study. So that's where the PTSD can really hit really hard uh, because when you're in survival mode you you just do what you have to do but once you're stuck in a bedroom that's another story and he's he he suffered from a lot of uh, nightmares so he wanted to share that to raise awareness about that so we did uh, a silent scene that he built you know i i made him chose the the actors he wanted and we really as as, as a sculpture uh, he he placed the people on stage he chose the music he wanted tamara created his this music for him she's absolutely unbelievable at, at just feeling what is needed and uh, and and he was very precise i remember you know telling him you know so he said oh they have a gun and i was like okay so how do they hold their gun Oh, like this how do they hold her hair you know so he really redesigned the scene um and and um and and i think uh, he 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 felt uh he could really share something like that easier than saying a text in english that he would struggle with the words possibly yeah or you know so we have different um mohammed in borderline he chose us to dance this scene because he's a dancer he's an amazing dancer and he didn't want to talk he didn't want to say what happened but he was he wanted to dance it um in welcome to the uk debbie the the human trafficking she wanted to sing it she loves singing and um it was a tricky one because it's a song uh uh where she she you know it's a song um what what's the song Tamara again uh you know one man in one what
3: De- deliver me deliver no, no, the one man oh,
1: in one man oh, out
3: it was based on the okie cookie <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, that's it but it's instead of the hokey kokie, it's one man in one man out in out in out you know so it's quite yeah. but she wanted that and i remember yeah. that at the beginning we were looking for the words and she was not um You know, we were trying to be maybe a bit more vague and um, because I I, I wasn't sure how far she wanted to go. And and at the end of the day, I took her on the side. I said, Debbie, what do you what what do you want people to know? And she said, I want them to know everything. You know, I I said, okay, so then let's go. Let's go for it. And it's trusting that people are not little miserable thing, you know, like they're strong. She's a very strong woman and and she can do it. You know, it's her story, if mm. she feels ready to share it, mm-hmm. but then my choice was, was to bring the whole ensemble on stage and to dance behind her so she wouldn't be alone when she sings that.
0: Yeah.
1: And so we did a little cabaret kind of scene, so with a big smile, you know, that, 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 you know, again, yeah. I guess to protect her a bit and mm-hmm. to protect the audience a bit as well to say look she she's that strong that she can do that with a big smile on her face and that the whole company is behind her so you can take the song it's okay you know it's uh so yeah i try to adjust to every person depending on their skills their personality their personal stories uh, what they enjoy um uh, what they're good at some people are very high status some of them are a bit more shy you know yeah. it
0: depends and does, I mean, does the process function as a kind of, I don't know, like a cathartic kind of therapy for, the, I mean, I maybe can ask Barat this question, but as well as the function being you're expressing your story to an audience, is actually creating the work, is that helpful at all? Yeah, in of reliving it on?
2: Yeah, uh, at the beginning it was hard, especially that it wasn't clear what we want to do and how we're going to do it at the first couple of days and there was the barrier of language where we spend time translating till we find the 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 right tempo and we stop translating we start understanding each other without translating we start seeing where we're going we start as sophie said for example when when abdrahman directed this his scene about the dream we knew what we want to tell the people what we want to share with the people. And Sophie, to be honest, from the beginning, she was very clear. Like, she wants us to, to share what we are happy and feel comfortable to share. Because uh, Psych created a really safe environment and platform, because it's really important to feel safe in this, uh, this uh, room where we're rehearsing. Because most of us, we didn't meet each other before. So to break the barrier of language and to 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 make uh, to become because we we became like a family now. Mm. It's I don't see borderline and and like psych, psychological theater company is like a cast and management. No, it's it's, it's became like family business. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a producer. <laughs> we, yeah. It's seriously, it became like a family business thing
0: that's really lovely and it's yeah.
2: amazing and like we are really feel braving to be back on stage yeah. and travel <laughs> and yeah hopefully soon we'll be able to 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 share more and to discuss and highlight new topics hopefully. good because i yeah
0: I look forward to seeing you all on stage I really enjoyed what i've seen
1: and it's tomorrow
0: summer. sorry,
1: in terms of cathartic, I mean, the Mm. the Debbie, the song was definitely one. And and Mm. the other one, I would say, uh, if there's time, was uh, Abdulrahman when he created The the Smuggler. Um, Mm. So in in Borderline was a very interesting uh, experience. Uh, He's not the one who is in this movie because they kept changing depending on people's availabilities. But uh, he had just arrived from the Calais jungle, and we had started already the creation for one week and he was really in a place very angry place like 10 months in the jungle very hard stories with the smugglers a lot of hatred a lot of pain a lot and he was in in a very dark place and um i, I remember that i was a bit worried of oh how how will i be able to you know help help him be on stage and find his place you know and and uh one day i remember i told him abdurman could you show me what is a smuggler because i don't know what is a smuggler i've never met a smuggler and he went on stage say, yeah yeah of course i can show you i was like okay can you show me how he walks how does a smuggler walk? Said and he started walking like that said oh mm-hmm. can you show me a bit bigger and so he made it just a bit bigger that okay so how do you think they brush their hair and he started creating this amazing character like and and yeah we just pushed it a bit more to to, to mm-hmm. become like satirical. um and and yes he he definitely told me uh he's the like yeah that that has been a huge relief of of anger to be able to embody uh this character and make it as silly and as horrible as possible you know? yeah
0: like talk about facing your demons he's becoming it and taking it to an audience yeah yeah and yeah. um, tomorrow i'm gonna come to you so and um, throughout, you talked about missing the theatre, but throughout um, the pandemic, you've been leading workshops online and you bring together women from all different backgrounds and you have regulars who come back every week and these are women, some are seeking asylum, some are European, some live even further afield, but they keep coming back. What is it that draws these women together from such diverse backgrounds?
3: Well, as you said, well, first of all, I can't believe that it has been possible to create a community on Zoom. Um, It's kind of remarkable how kind of um, intimate and connected we can feel. Um, Of course, we're all looking forward to meeting in real life. Um, But yes, I think um, what draws us together is that we don't, well, we don't necessarily Talk about um, how uh, sort of disparate our backgrounds are. As such, we use games and um, and yes, sort of theatre and music to uh, to find common ground um, and something that we all enjoy. Um, and I try and do sort of physical comedy type games in the Zoom windows that 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 really kind of open people up and don't need much language um, and so feel love, because this is my favorite f- phrase, but I, I always try and like join join people on their pl- plane of imagination. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah. This. <laughs> so
3: rather than the other way around yeah. so, so take what they're giving to us and um and try and uh, try and uh, gently get mm-hmm. in a direction yeah. <laughs> rather than come with a fixed agenda of this is what we're going to do um we're all very different people but yes we find we find commonality through uh, relaxing and enjoying each other's companies.
0: Yeah. You certainly do. As I witnessed when I, you let me join <laughs> one of the workshops recently, before they were online, um, you were leading workshops housed at Shakespeare's globe, is that right? The together workshops. And so
1: we, we were about to start, <laughs> we're about to start is that post-mandemic, <laughs> so oh, that's
0: yeah. So okay. I
1: mean, we started the together workshop in November, 2016, just at the borderline. Originally I created them as a. Aftercare, or whatever you call it, place for borderline, because mm-hmm. I thought, okay, we did six weeks all together. Um, I don't want to suddenly say, okay, bye bye, guys, that was nice, have fun. You know, yeah. I wanted to have a place where we could continue to meet and create and do stuff and invite more people to join. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it started. Then we toured the workshop. We went, the three of us with Mohammed to Turkey. We, do- we did some there at the border, Syrian border, not very far. Um, and so we were hosted by different um, different venues, so Theatre Delhi, Centre Thaburga uh, Centre for Reconciliation and Peace. Um, and uh, I'm thinking I'm missing one, but never mind. Uh, and the, yes, we were about to start at the Globe uh, because they, were, they had the accessible space and they were keen to have us, which is fantastic. So hopefully uh, we're in t- touch now. We're going to go back at the Globe um, uh, next September or something.
0: From your experience of leading um, workshops that helped integrate refugees with local populations, what would you advise is needed, you know, if you're thinking about, if, if you know, governments in various countries or other organizations wanted to create schemes, what have you kind of learned from this experience? In terms of, you know, what you would say is most needed for integration?
1: Um, I'd say, uh, well, just as a space where you can meet—that's what I realized. That there were a lot of workshops for refugees, for young people, for mothers, for whatever. But there, there was not a lot, or not that I knew, uh, places where you could meet with local people. The only way local people could meet with asylum seekers was by doing volunteering, whether mm-hmm. it was in the Calais jungle or in London, in various charities. But then you're not on the same level. Yeah. You? Yeah. You know, it's a different position. Um, yeah. So for me, it was really to create, the workshop is free for everyone, whether you're asylum seekers or European, it's the same, you're on the same level. Um, and then I guess it's to embrace diversity and mm. um, and empower people and strongly believe that a two years old or an Afghani or a disabled person has as much to bring as anyone else. And that mm. it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, we're, we all have something to share and we can all have fun together. There's always a way to find uh, uh, common grounds, as Tamara mm-hmm. said, uh, yeah. but yeah. Also, are, sorry,
0: you're gonna say something.
3: Just, <laughs> that, um, it's in sort of direct opposition to the hostile environment policy, where you don't know where, if you're in temporary accommodation, you don't know when you're gonna be moved and any sort of community links could be ripped from you at a moment's notice mm-hmm. um, whereas and and these kind of barriers to building up community uh, that are seemingly well are deliberate in the hostile yeah. environment yeah. policy we're trying to break those barriers down <laughs> yeah.
0: as you mention um a uk home office policy there is something I, I did want to to ask you i'm sure you're aware that um, The Home Office has set out plans for a new uh, post-Brexit immigration plan and um, various human rights campaigners are very concerned about the proposed treatment of refugees in this proposal. And one particular point of concern is the treatment of refugees who've arrived in the UK without a visa. You know, they've used irregular means of travel to enter the country. Um, and this would mean they're denied the right to indefinite leave, um, they're denied family reunification, there's a threat of deportation. It's it's, it's looking pretty ugly, I think we can all agree. Um, but Priti Patel has described um, the use of irregular means of uh, travel as unnecessary—that's the word she uses in this plan. Um, given your wealth of experience, I mean, Barra yourself, and then also all the people you've worked with, um, to both to Sophie and Tamara as well. How would you respond to this definition of irregular routes as being something that a uh, kind of an unnecessary thing to do? You're
1: muted, Barra.
2: Seeker, you can't claim asylum from the country that uh, you from outside the country, for example, to claim asylum in the UK, I have to be in the UK to claim asylum, I can't claim asylum from Turkey. Mm-hmm. So that's in in the law, so I can't ask what there is no rig like there is no other routes. Yeah. Of course, if it was possible to, to go, when I was in Turkey, to go to the, the British Embassy in Istanbul and claim Salim, of course I would do that. Mm. No one would love to, to, to risk their life and jump on a dinghy and walk uh, in the middle of nowhere and live in Calais for a couple of months. No one would love to do that. Mm. But that was the only way to do it.
1: So she's and not that, giving any option, basically.
3: Yeah, yeah, there is
1: no other option.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also for the, all migrants and that become um, it's it's very easy to become undocumented. I was just reading. I'll, I'll forward you the report that um, that was made in April from the Joint Council for the Welfare of Immigrants, um, and they're setting out recommendations to make. Um, it's cheaper to renew because um, it's yeah. I, I mean, again, Barrow will know a lot more than me, but um, about the sheer expense of um, of renewing uh, yes, renewing uh, your status and um, and yes, I'll forward you the link. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Um, another point, we, we're sort of about to run out of time, but another point that I mentioned in the plan, because I'll add that the general public in Britain is being asked to complete a questionnaire about at the moment about their views on this um, uh, proposal, so it is quite good to discuss it. Um, one of the other um, points is that the Home Office wants to introduce what's called a one stop assessment process where you have to provide all your evidence up front and you don't get the opportunity to appeal during your claim. Are you able to give us any insight into why it is important to have the space to appeal and um, to provide evidence? Why that might be necessary and why, why this might be worrying?
2: Uh, to who is the questioner?
0: Oh, to, to anyone who wants to answer. I mean, from your experience, did are you aware of people who maybe there was a delay in receiving and in, inquiring evidence or yeah. reports? Oh, yeah.
1: In the that company, a... I mean our youngest performer, Nakeeb, um, he had uh, uh he he yeah, he needed time to to gather all the documents he needed um and also i guess the first time you well he was quite young he was 16 when he arrived you know so um for example he he i don't want to go in his personal life of course but uh, they at some point they asked for a medical record to prove that um there has been a, an assault and he didn't know that so he had to go back and ask uh, i mean go back via email of course but uh, mm. so you know you, you you might not be aware of exactly what the authority will want for for documents especially if you're very young and you know so and uh sometimes you 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 lost track of people because of course you know people move a lot so it's not that easy to get the the information you you live with nothing you live with your phone that's all so Uh, we we have to remember that it's war zone or you know (laughs) so it's not like it's not like you have all your files nightly together in your bag and you're ready you know it's uh
3: I was always struck as well by in the question and answer sessions at the at the end of the shows how people um, how people in the audience could relate and told their own stories of um, having of yes of having home office documents arriving after the appointment or um, yes I did, I, I, there were lots of those stories of of. Um, yeah, willful kind of bad admin. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, yeah. I think there are huge delays happening in the Home Office at the moment. Um, I heard recently that some tribunals are sitting empty because cases weren't coming in. Um, so the inefficiency is clearly on the Home Office's part for for a large account of it. Um, so, and um, moving away because that obviously that's a serious issue there. But um, moving back to to the work that you're doing. Are you planning to create more theatre? You mentioned um, that you'd like to be back on stage, um, do you have plans post-pandemic? Are there any sort of issues you've already been thinking about, or maybe events, projects that you'd like to, um, to create? Um,
1: we, we still want to tour Borderline, I mean, because we, we were still, I mean, we did it in Shanghai online, fortunately, uh, because of, of, of lockdown, so yeah. that's definitely a play that we feel is timeless, uh, and that uh, is unfortunately still very accurate so uh, we, we we are planning to do that um, and otherwise we also created another play called Mohammed and Peter uh, raising awareness about home countries because as Vara said uh, people are not aware of how much they miss their homes um, there's always this idea that refugees are coming to our country to steal our benefits or our houses or our jobs you know but we have no idea how painful it is to miss your your home and your family every day i mean in lockdown we all complain not being able to go and visit our parents grandparents i mean they haven't seen their family for for years you know uh they haven't had a hug for years and and so we should uh, if lockdown could bring us one thing is that just a tiny 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 bit of feeling of what that means and for me um yeah, Mohamed uh, is Sudanese. Uh, he lives in in my home, and I was when when all the events happened in Sudan. I could see how painful it was for him. He went to Brussels. He went to Geneva to do all the demonstrations, Sudanese demonstration, you know. And I thought, okay, that's what I would like to do now is to go to Sudan, and um, and that we we we, we realized what they left and um, so yeah Mohammed and Peter is this new play it's a real project to Sudan and Peter going to Sudan following Mohamed. Um and uh, yeah I hope we'll do about Syria and Afghanistan and you know uh, that's my project yeah to celebrate their home countries excellent
0: well i have to wrap things up now because i'm afraid we've run out of time but thank you so much for joining me today it's been really informative and i look forward to seeing all of you on a stage hopefully sometime in the very near future so thank, no, you. Too. thank you thank, thank you. you thank, thank you,
2: you so
0: much. Bye. Bye-bye.
2: Bye bye <laughs> bye